Hi, this is Isaac Arthur. Welcome to the show and don't forget to check out this month's Nebula exclusive, Giant Space Monsters. To get access and help support the show while hearing every episode early and ad free, plus hours of bonus content, check out go.nebula.tv slash Isaac Arthur and use my code Isaac Arthur. To travel between the stars requires vast amounts of fuel and energy, but as it turns out, the ocean of night in deep space is full of fuel, if you can collect it along the way. Welcome back to another episode of Science and Futurism with Isaac Arthur. Today we're diving into the realm of interstellar proportion, exploring a concept that has captured the imaginations of science fiction enthusiasts and space exploration enthusiasts alike for decades, the Bussard Ramjet Starship Drive. We'll explain what it is, why it might be broken, what other uses it has, and what workarounds might let us use it. The Bussard Ramjet is conceptually simple enough, space is full of hydrogen gas, and if you have a fusion reactor, all that gas becomes fusion fuel for your spaceship, so you suck it in, fuse it, and blow it out the back, speeding up your ship. The Bussard Ramjet or Ram Scoop is perhaps best known from the classic sci-fi novel Tau Zero, which shows us a spaceship that gets stuck with their ramjet on and keeps accelerating closer and closer to light speed. This spaceship drive was designed by physicist Robert Bussard in 1960 and it seemed the magic fix for all our spaceship woes and the tyranny of the rocket equation. Indeed if you've ever wondered what those big lights or propellers on the front of the warp nacelles on the Enterprise are, they are listed as Bussard collectors. Now we are not going to deep dive the concept of fusion today, but the idea is that once you get moving under normal engines or some other drive, and get some speed, you funnel high speed particles into the throat of the Bussard engine where they slam into other particles at relativistic velocities. The particles in the Sun's core, at tens of millions of degrees, are bumping around and into each other at hundreds of kilometers a second which is on an order of a thousandth of light speed, but even then, take billions of years and untoward trillions of collisions before they typically fuse. The hotter and denser a star's core, the exponentially faster this happens, so if you're moving faster, the number of gas particles you're grabbing and slamming through your Bussard ramjet that actually fuse while passing through rises vastly, and as you get close to light speed, you will match the conditions not just inside a supergiant stellar core, but those right about to go supernova, where fusion fuel is not taking millions or billions of years to get used, but getting burnt up at rates like we'd expect from gasoline, only 10 million times more energy being emitted per gallon. But the basic concept is that as you shove matter down the throat of this engine, some is fusing and releasing energy, and the byproduct, along with all the gas that didn't fuse, is absorbing that energy and blowing out the back as a propellant. You can also get energy to run your life support, maintenance, and manufacturing this way. Most of the interstellar medium is ionized hydrogen and helium, including their isotopes deuterium and helium-3, all of which are decent fusion fuels, but any ionized atom or molecule can be pulled or shoved by electromagnetic forces, hence the idea to suck or scoop up gas as you go along from a wide cross-section around your ship, rather than a conventional physical scoop. Then, similar to an air-breathing ramjet, you cram all that gas through a tiny throat at high speed and density. Hydrogen and helium are the vast majority of everything out there, and a lot of the remainder is carbon, nitrogen, and oxygen, which are all fusible too, particularly in the CNO cycle, 
but them and other matter floating around can also be scooped and diverted for collection to let a ship gather raw materials for building and repairing stuff, and for that matter, the small amount of heavier fusion products coming out the back could be reclaimed too, by the conceptual equivalent of a magnetic bucket following far behind on a tether, selectively grabbing those heavier elements. Critically, the amount any particle curves in a magnetic field is based on how much charge it has and how much mass it has. Big ionized particles move slower at the same ambient temperature and curve less in the same magnetic field, and would make up only a small amount of your intake or rocket flame, so grabbing them wouldn't hurt your overall thrust and momentum too much. This seems like the perfect Starship drive, infinite fuel and scooping up other handy raw materials when needed. So what's the problem? Well, there's a few. First, even if it worked as planned, you need to get moving at high speed to make it go, it's a bit of a catch-22, an engine that makes you go fast but requires you to be going fast first to use it. This at least has an easy fix, we often talk about using giant laser beams or energy or matter beams or all of the above to either directly bounce off a ship and push it or provide a power supply to superheat onboard propellant as a higher performance propellant than normal rocket fuel and so long as you have a star nearby and some local infrastructure of mirrors, power collectors, and relays, you should have no problem keeping a pushing beam on target even a whole light day away, and that's enough of a runway to shove a ship at 1G of acceleration up to 7.5% of light speed. That's a pretty good initial boost, and as we discussed elsewhere, that's good enough for an interstellar arc ship all on its own, and you could probably do better. See our Interstellar Laser Highways episode for discussion of that. Indeed, we often imagine using the booster to ramjet with this system anyway, since one of the concerns with it is that calculations often indicate it would produce a net negative thrust, slowing rather than speeding the ship up, and you can use one to slow down, which is handy if you don't have a pushing beam system at your destination at the other end. If you are familiar with booster to ramjets or scoops, you've probably heard about this concern they're broken, and there's a few ways in which this might be the case and sadly they are mostly too technical to explain, though there's a newer paper on it that I think did a good job, it's still very techy. There's also a few variations of it and each needs discussed differently, including two others using black holes that I've discussed before in passing but have no name I've ever heard of so I would dub them the Hawking Ramjet and Penrose Ramjet, the latter being a lot like the Quasar Drive we discussed before but imagined at a smaller scale. More on those later. Let's start with the better known one, the Fishback Ramjet, which John Fishback proposed back in 1969, and this is the first detailed one, as Bussard and Carl Sagan had both discussed the idea before, but Fishback went into the details on how the scoop would need to work. Again, those are unfortunately too technical to dip into here, but focus on using a magnetic scoop and an axial solenoid. If you want that deep dive, I will instead recommend that paper from last year written by Peter Schatzneider and Albert Jackson, as I feel that covers the topic, its problems, and possible solutions better than various prior papers did. And a lot of this had to do with scale, and why doesn't work got thrown around a lot because the ship needs to be very big to work. The big fishback solenoid needs to be very big and strong, and might need to be made of graphene or even use active support systems like we envision for orbital rings. So to be clear, we think it does work, there were just many who felt the numbers made it impractical to ever build, and many dispute that. 
but with the acknowledgement that it is a mega project to build one, they need a huge cross section to scoop from too, not a mile or a kilometer across, but more like astronomical units. You can see why this gets problematic. Of course, if you're a channel regular, you might have just shrugged and noted that we often do contemplate building things to that scale, and that just because an object might need components as big as our planet's orbit does not mean it needs a construction mass anywhere near that of a planet. But in some scenarios, that too would be acceptable. If it lets you get ships up to very high speeds and down from them at a new stall, where you can build the beam pushing systems we discuss, or even just transmit data and uploaded mines at light speed, then that's good enough for forced use, and later ships can use the beaming system. It really does not matter if your forced colony ship to a new system uses the mass of a large moon or smaller planet to get there, as that's an investment that can be repaid thousands of times over from the available raw mass in that new system. And again, the ability to slow down this way is handy. You can just slow down magnetically anyway, the interstellar medium is full of ionized particles and you're basically deploying a magnetic field as a parachute to slow down using them, and again the concern is if you are slowing more by gathering them than they'll produce when fusing, which if you're only getting one in a million to fuse wouldn't make them much better energy-wise than the chemical fuel, but also means you're constantly dragging on all of them and slowing while collecting them. I won't belabor the various workarounds too much. First, this whole fusion process is totally unrelated to any normal fusion reactor we try to build here on Earth. If your ship just happens to have a regular old fusion reactor, whatever that looks like, then you don't need to be shoved up to speed. Instead, you get a cruising speed equal to whenever your drag force of collection equals your engine output. The faster you go, the more kinetic energy you lose when you hit and swallow a particle and dump it into your reactor and if you need to basically slam 100 particles to get two of those to fuse in your engine, and the other 98 to fly out the back superheated by fusion, then you're looking at a top speed at about 1% of light speed. If you are getting total fusion by all, more like 10% of light speed. The reason the ramjet does better is that it is using the collision energy to drive the fusion event and the particle involved, fused or failed, keeps that momentum rather than slowing the ship. 1% of light speed or even 10% isn't really wowing everyone the way the Pusard Ramjet does, but it should be noted this can be shoved up too. We could imagine some clock tech piece of machinery that just vaporized any passing particle into its constituent mass energy of photons, but we think this is basically what black holes do too. We're a bit dubious about creating and feeding Kugelblitz black holes, ultra tiny ones in the megaton or even kiloton range but they produce huge amounts of energy by Hawking radiation, and they run basically at 100% matter to energy efficiency. Their ceiling might be north of 90% of light speed, and their collection radius much lower, and they should not need that initial shove to get going though they will collect more the faster they go, and you might need to start them on the heavier and lower power side, fueling them up the port to ensure they had time enough to get to the full refill rates. Black holes emit less Hawking radiation as they grow in mass, and they lose mass as they emit energy, quicker the smaller they grow, so you might need to throttle your intake at higher speed to avoid your black hole gaining mass and losing power, this is a Hawking drive ship or a Hawking ram scoop in this particular variation. The Penrose ram scoop would be a bigger black hole if it turns out you can't make or feed them below a certain size, like having an event horizon less than an atomic radius, and would rely on the Penrose mechanism for power generation which for simplicity's sake is just dumping matter toward a black hole 
and using all that accretion disk and acceleration radiation to power things. Here it is fine if the particles just whiz by close to it and miss, bending in to smack each other and radiating a bit of energy in the process. Optimally, this does way better than fusion, but it isn't 100%, so your ceiling is likely to be over 50% of light speed, but not a lot more. Also, this is a tinier version of the Quasar Drive we discussed in Fleet of Stars, so see that episode or Black Hole Ships for a deeper discussion. Amusingly, they would have the equivalent of radioactive waste since a bigger black hole still has Hawking radiation, which is typically going to be X-ray or Gamma for something a ship might be using, and still is a black hole, and since it would slowly gain mass this way, once it got too big for a ship, you might have to jettison it or box it up, or trade it to a local space station that doesn't care about mass much and will keep using it as a power plant. Alternatively, smaller ones might need to be jettisoned if they were starving so they didn't blow up once they got into the sub-kiloton range. I suppose a Gardner ship might generate new black holes every stop and give the old one to the new colony it founded, and trade ships might stop and change out at a destination, selling the old one to some local O'Neill cylinder and buying a new one. But that's a bit beyond the scope of today's episode. In the end, while there's no getting around the issue with ram scoops, they may not be as dreadful or fixed a barrier as we've been thinking, and we do have some walkarounds that follow similar approaches. To make truly fast ships, it helps if you can get around the rocket equation and not have to carry all your fuel with you, and it also relieves you from needing to carefully husband your fuel for centuries of interstellar travel against leaks or shortages so you can slow down when you arrive. For those curious why this episode wasn't on the schedule and is an outlier for length, this episode was originally going to be one of those new short-form videos I've been trying out of late, but it rapidly got longer. I've been enjoying the challenge of trying to do a 60 second video, and doing a whole month's worth of them takes less time than a single video like this does, let alone a regular episode, and at popular request, I probably will start releasing compilation videos of those here and on our other platforms soon. But while trying for brevity is a fun exercise, if the content clearly won't fit in that length, I won't shove it in, and at the same time, I didn't see any reason to expand it to one of our usual deep dives, especially with so many other topics awaiting writing. Doing so would either take away from writing another episode, or require waiting to put it out till after our episode on Zero Point and Vacuum Energy in a few weeks, and I felt this one should come out first, and it is a quasi-prequel to our episode Have Spacesuit Will Travel, coming out in a couple weeks, in regard to the classic Heinlein torch drives which the Busord Ramjet seeks to partially emulate. Those of course are basically your straight matter-to-energy converter, and in theory could be using dark matter too, not just fusion fuels, as could our black hole drive version. We will discuss a dark energy option in the aforementioned Zero Point and Vacuum Energy episode next month. If you want to learn more about other spaceship drives, see our Advanced Spaceship Drive Compendium episode, but that will wrap us up for today. Thanks for joining us for this unscheduled episode, and we'll see you Thursday for our episode Interplanetary Infrastructure, where we will also discuss building things astronomical units wide, as well as more modest devices for helping explore and settle our solar system. And until then, have a great week.